Hello, all listeners. Welcome to the Leadcast. I am the host for this episode, Anne-Marie Buxby, and our first segment of the day is Creepy Chronicles with Lot Cole. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Creepy Chronicles. I am your host, Lot Cole. In this segment, I share with you spine-chilling, spooky stories I searched the World Wide Web for, hoping to leave you with a bit of an adrenaline rush and some goosebumps by the end of your time. Today's story is titled, A Package Marked Return to Sender, posted in 2015 on the Reddit forum r slash no sleep. Let's begin. My neighbor is one of those annoying wannabe YouTube personalities. Over the years, I've seen him cough out cinnamon, lay flat on the hood of his car as it slowly creeps down the driveway, and douse himself in lukewarm water all while screaming, epic win, epic fail, or epic maintenance of the status quo, for all I care. It can get tiring to watch him go about his shenanigans in the pursuit of viral fame. So, when he knocked on my door the other day, told me he was going away for a few weeks, and asked that I get his mail, honestly, it was a relief. I can't explain the peace of mind I had knowing I didn't have to brace myself for any of his stupidity for a while. I was always afraid of his stunts would wind up bleeding over into my life. Things were pretty normal for the first couple of days. He received a few bills, a bit of spam, and what I could only assume was a birthday card. Then one evening I got home to find a cardboard box waiting on his front porch. In big red letters was written, Return to Sender. I'm no small fry, but I admit I had trouble lifting the box on my own. It was really freaking heavy. Lugging it across the road to my house was even harder, and I quickly realized there was no way I was going to drag it up the stairs and through my front door. I decided I'd leave his package in my garage. It wasn't like I kept my car in there. The garage door refused to open without a good thug and a whack. It was less trouble just leaving the car in the driveway than it was to fight the garage door every morning and night. In hindsight, I should have set the package down while I struggled to open the turkey door, but you know how it is when you've got a good grip on something, there's no point setting it down if you don't have to. It was as I kicked the door for a third time that I lost my grip on the package, and it fell to the ground. I heard a light crack inside. Shoot, I said under my breath. I hoped I hadn't broken anything important, but I figured I just wouldn't tell my neighbor about it and let him assume the break happened en route. Hands-free, I finally managed to get the garage door unstuck, and boy did it screech in protest as it rolled up and over me. I dragged the box the rest of the way, setting it in the corner for whenever my neighbor would come back to claim it. And then I forgot all about it. Until a few days passed, that is. I'm not sure exactly how long it took for the smell to waft in from the crack under the garage to house door, but it came in slow progression. It was a sickly sweet odor similar to a skunk, and for the first few days after I smelled it, I genuinely assumed that's exactly what it was, roadkill that had left its mark on my house. It was only when I realized the scent was growing more intense instead of fading that I went looking for a source. That's when I opened the garage door, and that's when the odor knocked me back, holding my nose. The culprit wasn't hard to identify. The only change in my garage was the box in the corner. I remember thinking it must have been one of those meat-of-the-month subscription boxes. The meat must have gone rancid from being left out of the fridge for so long. How much meat could have been in there for a box to have been so large and heavy? An entire cow? 
I covered my nose as I approached the box, a pair of scissors on my hands. I probably wouldn't have needed them to open it, as it became soggy enough at the bottom to poke through with a finger, but I wasn't about to poke my finger into spoiled meat. That soggy bottom was the reason I had to open the box in the first place. If I tried to drag it out whole, everything would spill onto the floor. I was going to have to dump the pieces of meat one garbage bag at a time, and take them down to the dumpster, a process I wasn't looking forward to. My scissors tore through the tape along the top of the cardboard box. I thought the smell couldn't get any worse, but as I flipped the flaps open, I discovered a whole new gamut of stink. It was like opening a burning oven, but instead of a heat wave, I was met with waves of piss and sweat and putrefaction. It was so bad that I staggered back and I had to force down the puke begging to guzzle out of me. I don't think I could have handled that scent mingling with the horrors coming out of that box. I'm not ashamed to admit I ran out of the door for a breath of fresh air, but in the short time I'd spent in the garage, the smell had become so ingrained in the fabric of my clothes that it clung to me like a shadow. Nothing I tried could keep the smell out of my nostrils. Not air fresheners, not a face mask, not three showers and change of clothes. Every second that box lay open in my garage was another second the smell was allowed a foothold into my home. I had to bite the bullet. I returned to the garage, the flaps of box still open as though inviting me to look. I was prepared, a clothespin pinned my nostril shut, a garbage bag in one hand, the strongest cleaner I could find in the other, and long rubber gloves to keep my skin from having to touch what was inside. But as it turns out, I needed none of those things. I wouldn't have to touch or clean the contents of that box. I would only have to suffer the nightmares every night. You see, there was meat in that box, but it didn't come from a cow or a pig, no. It was worse than that. It was my neighbor, dead. Still in one piece, but dead. I called the cops, and naturally they took me in for interrogation. It's kind of hard not to suspect the man with the corpse in his garage, after all. Thankfully, they soon realized I wasn't involved. My DNA might have been all over that box, the smell might have left a mark throughout my house, but there was one piece of irrefutable evidence in my neighbor's own hands that proved my innocence. A vlogging camera. They showed me the footage only once. I'm not sure if they were allowed to or if they felt so bad for me they figured it couldn't hurt. Either way, I saw it. My neighbor was sitting in the box outside of a shipping facility laughing as he told the world how he was going to mail himself across state lines. He'd brought pee bottles, food, a pillow, and a few flashlights. His friend, a guy I'd seen at his place several times to help with his stunts, closed the lid and presumably dropped him off for shipment. Throughout the next couple of hours, or days, I'm not honestly sure, my neighbor recorded a few short clips about his progress. I think I'm in a truck now, I can feel it moving, must be in a warehouse, pretty warm here, still got plenty of food, that kind of stuff. And then on the last entry, the box toppled over. He broke his neck, and that was it. The camera recorded until either the memory card got too full or the battery died. There's one thing I didn't tell the police after they showed me the video. One thing I heard in the footage that will haunt me to the day I die. Just after the tumble that broke his neck, I heard the familiar screeching sound of my garage door. Thank you all for tuning in on today's episode of Creepy Chronicles. That was one spine-chilling story, Locke. Thanks for sharing. Our next segment is Shower Thoughts with Lily T.
welcome back to Shower Thoughts. My name is Lily Skioka. Now let's get started. An image of Earth is like a group selfie with the entire world, but no one paid attention to the camera. Starting off with one that's kind of funny. I'm thinking like Google Earth, Google Maps, something like that. We discovered a way to destroy the Earth before finding a way to leave it. Like pollution, climate change, and such. This one's more sad. Adults made the don't talk back to me comeback because kids got too smart and actually started to come up with better reasoning. Could be true in some ways, but there's a chance that kids' reasonings were so ridiculous that parents didn't want to waste their time anymore, is what I think. How fast you go up the stairs can be an <laughs> indication of what your mood is. It's kind of funny. I can see this in some people, but I don't know if this applies to me personally. Theme parks can snap a clear picture of you on a roller coaster at 70 miles per hour, but a bank can't get a clear picture of a robber standing still. This one feels like we're calling out the bank a little bit, but, and I also don't know if this is true, but I thought this one was interesting. Tall people are expected to reach things to help shorter people, but if a taller person drops something on the ground and asks a shorter person to grab it, it's insulting. As a short person, I don't really find this insulting. I just find it lazy. I know, because I have a lot of tall friends. Aliens invaded the moon when the first moon landing was made. It's true, looking at it from a different perspective. When you say forward or back, your lips move in those directions. Try it. It works if you say it dramatically, though. I've woken up over 10,000 times and I'm still not used to it. <laughs> I'm kind of the same for this one. This one's more humorous. Somewhere in the world, there's someone with your dream job that hates going to work every day. Not always the case, but most of the time, it can be true. Lots of people don't really enjoy their job. Do not touch would probably be an unsettling thing to read in braille. Very true. If you think about it, why would someone put it in reach if you shouldn't touch it? Dogs may be smarter than us since some dogs can understand words we can say, but we can't understand them when they try to say something. This one is a little sad towards humans since humans can't understand. Most barks to us sound the same, but we seem to only know what whining and growling means. If aliens came to Earth, then we'd have to explain to them why we made so many movies about us killing them. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of alien movies, but if this did happen, that'd be pretty risky. <laughs> we stick kids in classrooms for seven hours a day, give them a few hours of homework, discourage them from playing outside, and then wonder why kids are so out of shape. Only for some families. Some other families really encourage kids to play outside, I'm pretty sure. I know my family does sometimes, but I also know some people who uh, are not allowed to go outside like at all. History classes are only going to get longer and harder as time goes on. This is sad but true, and it kind of makes me glad I was born now since I'm not very good at history class. Dogs don't know when you make mistakes, so when you wake up at night and trip over them, they think you just got up and kicked them in the head. <laughs> I've never thought of that, and now I just feel really bad for the dogs. Normally, you empty your drink from the top, but when you use a straw, you empty it from the bottom. I really have no commentary on this one. This one just sounded more interesting. 
A lot of old TV shows have those fake laugh tracks in the background, but it's most likely that the people laughing in those track audios are dead. This one's dark, but probably true, depending on when the movie was made and such. There have been whole civilizations that never knew water had a solid form. Hot places, probably, is what they're talking about. Like, but also think, how did places like this find out about ice and the solid form of water? The money you earn isn't actually yours, it's just your turn with it. This one's true, I have thought of this one before. Money has been passed between lots of people. A jail and a prison are basically the same thing, but a jailer and a prisoner are completely different things. Quite literally. <laughs> All the E's in the word Mercedes are pronounced differently. There's three E's in the word Mercedes, and I had never thought about that. Your future partner is probably telling their current partner that they'll be together forever. How cute. <laughs> this one, it might just be me, but this one makes me feel a little scared. Or if you were dating someone, it'd be kind of scary now since you might get the feeling that you'll be together forever when there's cases where you won't be. When you're scrolling on your phone, you're not actually moving anything. The pixels just change color. This one's kind of weird to think about. I don't think lots of people have thought about this before, but at the same time, it's just like common sense, like, yeah. You've seen more of the surface of the moon than you have of the earth. Like, you most likely have, probably. I know I have. Brushing your teeth is the only time you ever really clean your skeleton. This one's interesting, and I think our teeth is the only part of our skeleton that we can touch. You can't hum while holding your nose closed, and you can't snap with your fingers inside your mouth. You just tried that, didn't you? I tried it and I couldn't. If two mind readers were reading each other's minds, whose mind are they actually reading? This one's more trippy. I don't actually believe in things like this, but this sounds like a good story to make. We choose our careers when we're worse informed what they're actually like. This one's sadly pretty true. Careers when we're young can feel like a scam once you know what you actually do, like the things that come with it. Some stranger somewhere still remembers you because you were nice enough to them when nobody else was. This one's sweet. I think I can remember some people who were nice to me. Kids are probably the most brutally honest people on the planet. <laughs> a good way to find out if you're obese is to ask a kid to draw you. If they draw you as a stick figure, you're probably fine. But if they draw you with a circle-like body, I've got some bad news for you. This one's more on the funny side. It was not very true when it came to me when I was younger. I rather just drew everyone as stick figures, I think. Passwords have probably stopped more people from getting into their accounts than hackers. This one's kind of funny. I know what happens to me. If someone says, you look like a million bucks, don't get an ego. It's less and less of a compliment every year because of inflation. Um, <laughs> they're not wrong. There are lots of signs around schools that tell you to drive slow. But if you drive too slow, you'll look like a creep. But if you drive too fast, you'll start wondering why the speed bumps are screaming. <laughs> this one's more funny. Uh, but obviously pretty dark. I have thought of this before. I know lots of my friends have too. 
So would you go at like medium speed? I'm not even sure what you do at this point. Okay, thank you for listening today. My name is Lily Skioka, and this was Shower Thoughts. Thank you, Lily, for those very interesting thoughts. Our next segment this episode is POC in the Community with Lily V. today i'm good it's friday yeah yeah and i'm a 10 so i'm, I'm good <laughs> we always love a 10 yes how's it feel being back at lead it feels okay it was good seeing everybody like i miss you guys i miss checking in i miss you telling me how's your day and you know i just i just miss being in the building with you guys yeah mm-hmm. it's definitely it's very different i can i can i i get that a lot everybody's like it's so different with your day and i'm like I'm so sorry. Yeah. But y'all can email me all the time. <laughs> it's just like a different atmosphere, like not seeing you. Yeah, I know. In the front every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me feel good to hear that. <laughs> yeah. It definitely like impacted the day. Okay. Yeah. So, as being the sponsor of BSU, how do you think uh, POC clubs have affected kids' growth, especially into adulthood? Um, having any representation of oneself and people that share some parts of what you look like is empowering, encouraging, uplifting, and there is a sense of belonging when you can see that you are not a minority or by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have someone there that actually you can relate to, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What kind of like prompted you to start BSU? Well, I didn't see... Just seeing different students' reaction to me being at the front desk, you know, it, it just caught my attention when a lot of the kids, people, kids of color, all of them, every last one of you guys seemed like to me when you saw me at the front desk, you had a reaction. It was a double take, and it was like, whoa, who's that lady sitting in the front? So I was like, hmm, is there a BSU here? So I started to investigate, and I was like, okay. We need to do something to whereas these kids don't have to do a double take. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what filled it. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I think the environment, like, automatically changed when there was, like, this POC club. Mm Mm-hmm. It was open, and it was, like, kind of making that home. Yeah. It was really great. I'm glad I was able to do that for the last three years. Like, yeah. It meant a lot. <laughs> yeah. What microaggressions have you experienced in your life? Um, the usual question, you know, by me being fair skin, not dark skin. Are you mixed? Is your dad or mom white? Do you or, you know, when people see you and you don't have a certain look that they expect to have of a black person, it's um, you look better than most of the women or girls like you. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then where did you grow up? Were you were you poor? Did you did you have a house? Or you know those type of stereotypical questions that it it just ugh, yeah I still deal with it though. People ask that. Or you know sometimes people uh, you'll say a word or you'll say something and they'll assume that you don't know what you're talking about so then you have to like rephrase 
your wording or your your talk or you know a a b e just to get somebody to understand what you're saying yeah yeah I, I, that's a lot <laughs> how have you experienced white privilege because of that it's hard to explain it's like it's unfortunate that we have to experience it but it's 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 what's it's what happens like you know you're in a you're in a space that's predominantly white and you have these assumptions from your peers your counterparts your co-workers sometimes even your your supervisors that don't understand how you got to where you are you know they're they're questioning your your skills your abilities and it's like are you asking everybody these questions or is it just me so that just being in a space where you have to continuously prove your your education I guess I don't even know what to call it. your skills your experience like you you shouldn't have to do that right. especially in a workplace right. but it's unfortunately it's the norm mm -hmm. it's, it's unfortunate but that's the norm yeah growing up in like a lot of predominantly white places has that ever like made you stop appreciating your culture and your background no Nope, never, never, never. I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, where we had all different shades of melanin. My maternal grandfather was very, very, very fair-skinned, almost, you know, your complexion. Mm -hmm. And my paternal grandfather had the most beautiful mocha skin tone. And we were raised to have respect for any and everybody. Like, we didn't... We were, we were raised from small... Like, honestly, I didn't realize what racism was until I went to states like Texas mm -hmm. like you know here unfortunately in Kansas City I've experienced it but in New Orleans and I'm not trying to say that there was not any racism but we had more of a belonging right. in that culture it was like we're this you're you're gonna have this tone of a, of a black person and this tone of a black person and this tone and we didn't look at it like that you know, it was pretty much, you are who you are. Now, we learned, you know, from our grandparents and our ancestors that, hey, this is how you have to do this in front of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we did have that. But as far as not appreciating who I am, and that was, like, instilled in us from, from little. Right. Like, no, this is who you are. And if somebody can't accept it, then I'm, you need to explain to them why they need to. Or, but never waver who you are. That's what I was taught. Do you think if you would have grown up somewhere else or didn't have like that family value around you, that would have been different? Yes. Just from, <clears throat> like I say, living in different places. California. California is more diverse, I will say, even though they do have their issues as well. But again... In California school system, I grew up with diverse cultures. Mm -hmm. We had every culture. We celebrated everybody. It was not just defined to the American calendar of holidays and things like that. Like, we celebrated everybody. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just defined to the, the, the typical holidays that you have here. You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. like, more expanded, and we understand, and we knew that different cultures exist. And we found a way to understand it, appreciate it, incorporate it. Like, 
that's that's what I see different, you know. And I was trying to do that, like I said, bring that here, because it's not just black people. It's Asian. It's Hispanic. It's Samoan. It's Polynesian. It's it's like a plethora of ethnicities. Right. Do you think uh, you starting BSU has brought more light to all those ethnicities? Yeah, I would hope that I did. <clears throat> um, I try to. I try to get everybody that I saw that had a different cultural background or experience, like you guys, Hispanic culture. I try to get the Samoan kids to participate. But again, you have that BSU, and then it says black. So people get they they get reserved and think that it's not including them when really no it is because at the end of the day if you go back in history before there was the word black or anything we were all considered a minority because of nothing else but our skin tone that's it it didn't have anything to do with the race it was just our skin tone Mm -hmm. that's what made us different from everybody else so now that they've put categories on each ethnicity and it's no longer about your ethnicity or your culture it's about your skin tone people get afraid because it's like oh well that's not including me when really it is yeah yeah we just all have different cultures like you guys do latin community the asian community we all have our different reasonings and things like that but if you really look back and do some history and some research, they all connect in some type of way. Yeah. <laughs> they all connect in some type of way. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever experienced racism in the workplace or in schools? Yes. Very traumatic experience. I still some days when I reflect on situations, um, realize how it affected me. Mm-hmm. I become emotional because of how I was taught to stand in my truth of who I am. Never let somebody shame you. But when you're in those situations where your manager or your the, the person above you is putting you in these situations where you feel or you're questioning, you know, what is it that I'm doing? Like what, you know, when you have to second guess yourself, you shouldn't have to do that. But I allow myself, you know, I kind of get upset. Not upset, I feel defeated in the situations that I've had to experience it in the workplace Mm -hmm. because I didn't speak up loud enough that I should have, you know. I trusted that someone else had my best interest when really it only made my situation worse. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing. I was disappointed in myself for allowing it because I don't want you guys to allow certain things and then I had to bite my own words because I had to still work in a place or an environment where you know I felt defeated Mm -hmm. yeah do you think it's fair that POC have to control the words yes I don't think it's fair I don't think it's fair at all but you know like we can say certain things in a certain tone and it's taken out of context or we're being the aggressor or whatever, mm-hmm. but we can be talked to in a certain tone by certain people and it's supposed to be accepted. Right. It's not okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not okay. Mm -mm. It's kind of just like that double standards right there. It's it's right there. Like right yelling at your face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's your reason for overcoming all the racism and hardships? I don't think we ever truly overcome racism yeah. and hardships. <laughs> um, you adapt, you adjust, you follow the way. <laughs> And because it will always return in some way. It, as much as you want to think that it's not that way, it, it is. Mm -hmm. It is. And it, it'll never, to me, go completely away. Mm -hmm. Because to, we're, we're, not, we're not in a place of understanding and learning and processing to whereas we can see it the way it really is. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think adapting has changed, like with every place you've like lived in, that yeah. you have to adapt differently? Yep. Yep. And and I feel you know we shouldn't we shouldn't have to do that. Right. But we do. We have to really like adapt and and be not not be something else or be someone else, but we have to conform to the environment, right. pretty much. And we have to be reserved and, and you know, closed into what it is we may really want to say or how we really feel because we don't want to take or make someone else feel uncomfortable. But it's like, do everybody think like that? No, they don't. <laughs> like just kind of molding into the it, white way. Exactly. We're molding into what's acceptable and what's what's the norm by society standards. Right. Mm -hmm. But like it shouldn't be the norm. Nope. It should not. What advice would you give to younger POC? <clears throat> to continue to stand in your truth. Do not be discouraged by someone else's views of you. Encourage, inspire, and continue to educate because you guys are the future. Right. Yeah. You you guys are our future and at the end of the day you gotta you guys have to do this. Right. <laughs> you have to take over once all of us are, are no longer here and you know, we'll be your ancestors. <laughs> but you guys are our future. So we have to trust that you can do everything that we're putting in place for you guys to do. And then lastly, is there mm -hmm. anything else you would like me to know? Now I'm proud of you guys and you're doing great <laughs> and keep uplifting people and keep creating groups and clubs so that everyone can have a place and feel like they belong in a space where you have to fight so much harder to even get that much respect you know yes. continue I'm, I'm proud of you guys keep keep doing your thing Lily you're gonna be the journalist that I'm gonna see on the news in a few years and be like that's Liliana <laughs> <laughs> that's it anything for me <laughs> okay thank, thank you, thank you so Lily. Much. you're welcome yeah. <laughs> you're so welcome Thank you for that inspiring segment, Lily. Now for our next segment, Transportation Stuff with Harold. Did you hear about the new Dodge Charger prototype? This thing is basically a Dodge Tesla, but with the styling of a Challenger Hellcat. It can go up to 203 miles an hour and is a 0 to 60 in 3.8 seconds using an all-wheel drive system. The Dodge Charger EV is going to be the new start of the era with the car enthusiasts. On a sad note, 
The Dodge Challenger Hellcat that has a 6.2 liter Hemi supercharger V8 engine is coming to an end. They are releasing the final edition for the Challenger and Charger but cannot figure out how to make them fast but not blow up. One thing that has grown into style is going to junkyards and taking truck engines and Corvette engines which are 4 to 7 liter V8s depending on the year. These Chevrolet V8 engines have really high modability to make power for any motorsport like rally racing, drag racing, time attack, drifting, and a whole lot more. Some mods and upgrades can include small things just like painting the engine cover to force induction like superchargers, turbos, and all kinds of things. Basically, these upgrades add more power by using more air and more gas. If you don't add more gas, it can cause an imbalance, so you have to tune the ECU slash computer to add more power. Off topic of car engines, other motorsports you may be interested are bike sports, motocross, or bike racing. These have evolved like crazy over the years. The development of these motorsports companies is a race in itself. Companies like Kawasaki, Honda, KTM, Suzuki, and a lot of others try to beat each other with all kinds of better features and promises. Like auto mixing oil and gas for two-stroke engines, using electric starters, and promises of high speed and reliability. Motocross went from doing small jumps on dirt bikes to inventing all types of flips. Through all of this accomplishment in the automotive industry, we are still trying to progress reliability, speed, acceleration, fuel efficiency, and technology. I think we're up to date with good information on transportation. I'm Harold and this is my speedy segment. That was some awesome information, Harold. You know, I have been looking for a new car. Maybe that Dodge Charger prototype is the one. Anyways, that is the last segment of our podcast today, people. I hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye!